at this point in my career, I've been soft mini canceled like 80 times over every single time a massive exaggeration um, or a complete fabrication because that's Mm -hmm. how social media works. Um, So uh, at this point, I'm just kind of like, I wish I just hadn't said anything because I made it worse by saying something for sure. Welcome back. We are on today with my guest, Will Wood, on the tour for this shit podcast. I'm your host, Angie Sorensen. So for today's episode with Will, I went into it a little bit differently. And I went into it blind by choice because when I was approached by Will's team to come onto the podcast because I had put out a message out that I wanted to speak about how to not let people's opinion define you and decide your creative choices and stop you in your endeavor. They had mentioned, obviously, that he... So he's, he's an artist, he's a musician and a singer, and he went viral. And obviously that had its own, you know, um, impact and, and stuff. So I, by choice, didn't want to know too much about his work. I listened to... Uh, the song and read the lyrics of the song that went viral, which is called I Me Myself. And I am really, really happy that I didn't go in with, you know, uh, preconceived uh, notions about him and things like that. I wanted to go in like really fresh and hear about his experience. And I really enjoyed how our conversation evolved and all the different, sh- all the different touch points that we ended up covering because... I did actually go in wanting to find out how not to let other people's opinion affect your art and creations based on his experience of going viral. But the conversation ended being a lot more deeper and nuanced. And, you know, we really touched on on quite a few areas, which I think by now you're used to it uh, with me that, you know, guests come on for one thing and then we ended up talking about all kinds of stuff. Um now he does. Uh, I just want to flag that he does mention suicidal ideation. Uh, it's about around an hour and fifteen minutes or so. Um, so listeners, be advised. It doesn't go into depth. It's not nothing bad happened. He just talks about it. Um, actually, in, in a much lighter way than that you would have heard in previous episodes when I talk about it with other guests. So yeah, I just wanted to let you know so that you know. Yeah, I'm excited to share this episode with you. Now, obviously. Um, obviously, if you do like this episode, please help me out. Share this, (laughs) share this podcast with your friends. Give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow it on Spotify. Share it on your social media. You know, I don't really do, I'm not big on social media. I find it a bit difficult. Like any help I can get from you on this, it is free for you to do. It takes you two seconds. If that, you can even actually, if you want to spend five seconds, you can even like write a little review on Apple Podcasts. If you're not sure how to do it, just let me know. Reach out to me. You know my website, angie-s.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook or the Tool for Dishit Podcast or Angie Sorensen. You can find me under those names. So, yeah, I really, really, really appreciate all the reviews that you have left me. 
and um and, and all the support that you've given me so i'm really really grateful if you haven't if if you're listening and you haven't done it please do please do like how it really really does help so without further ado help me give a big warm welcome to Will. let's begin hi will hi there angie how's it going it's good good how are you I'm doing well. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. No, welcome. Absolutely. Welcome to the Tool for the Shit podcast. I'm really, really happy you're joining me today. I really want to talk about how we don't let the outside world control us, how we don't let people's opinion uh, influence us and how to filter out the noise. And I really want to use your experience of going viral. And we don't have to necessarily only focus on that, but I want to use that as a backdrop because you can actually talk from personal experience. Sure. And you've been very open about things like that. So, but first, Will, before we dive in, please mm. introduce yourself, where you live and what you do. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm Will Wood. I'm a singer-songwriter from Pennsylvania. Um, and uh, I play piano, a little ukulele. I, uh, I sing songs. Uh, music can be a little bit out there sometimes. Uh, and... Um, I got a new record coming out on July 29th. It's called In Case I Make It. And I've been dropping singles here and there to promote it. Um, and uh, the next one I have coming out is uh, on the 10th of June. It's a spoken word uh, piece of sorts called You Liked This, parentheses, OK Computer, uh, which is a Radiohead reference. Um and it's uh, it's it's a it's sort of like a satire of how social media algorithms uh, allegedly emotionally manipulate people, and uh, it features a performance by Bev Standing, whose voice was used uh, by TikTok for their text-to-speech program, um, uh, allegedly without her consent until she sued. And so it's really cool to be you know to basically have. Almost like you know, she she plays the role of an algorithm in this sort of satirical, dystopian kind of noise track, and uh, uh, it's it's cool to kind of have her basically, basically. I, I now have a recording of uh, a TikTok calling itself out, which I I love. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's that's my spiel. That's that's what I'm up to. Yeah, no, I mean the. Um... I have a couple of questions actually, just based on what you just said now. So I'll do that and then I'll move <laughs> to the other bit. It's the sure. when you said like uh, social media, like it was a satire, a satire on social media and how they, and I think you did quote unquote emotionally manipulate us. Why did you have that on quotes in quotes? Uh, it, well, it was allegedly that I was putting in quotes. Ah, sorry, okay, I didn't get that. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. My attorney advised me to. Uh, <laughs> make it clear that my beliefs about how these platforms work were my beliefs yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, not necessarily fact, even though yeah. I think it's it, you know, when you, when you look at what powers these programs have and you consider the fact that we live in a capitalist society mm -hmm. uh, in order to think that they don't emotionally manipulate people. You'd also have to think that these programs don't care about making as much money at the expense of everything else, which isn't how capitalism works. So, yeah. And also, I guess like I guess that the, the, the one variable in there that we can sort of like maybe like not be 100 percent sure is whether they intentionally or unintentionally manipulate us. That could be like, I guess someone could put it up for debate. But I think definitely 
manipulation is there because we are so like brainwashed and it affects our mood and it affects how we perceive things and we just almost see things as like like they call it a news feed right it's like it's like mm. a source of news i mean uh in a way for many people and um yeah and i and i think one of the problem is also we are oh there's a word for enough and i forgot it now but it really is like we stay in a little bubble because they just keep feeding you things that will just keep agreeing with you. And so all we become is more extreme in our views, whether that be um, perceived as a good view or a bad view. You know, it always depends on which side of the fence you sat. Um, so it is like 100% manipulation. I mean, I, I have a, a love-hate love situation with social media, which I know is something that you speak about. Yeah, I, I think it's... I think really when it comes down to it, most people have a love-hate relationship with it because there's no denying the the positive elements of it. I was just thinking about this the other day. I was watching uh, I was watching Drew Gooden videos on YouTube and I was like, this guy is just like some dude in his house and yet he's, a, you know, now a famous comedian of sorts in uh, a, a medium that didn't exist a few years ago. And one of the things that social media has allowed us to do as a society is um, uh, what, what it's proven to us as a, as a society is just how talented people are. And so I think that's a great thing. That being said, I also think that these programs are constantly gathering data on you and using that data uh, to do, as you said, feed you things that, one, reinforce your beliefs and push them as extreme as possible, and two, feed you things that upset you so that you keep uh, you, you keep uh, fighting um, yeah. because yeah. engagement is the whole is the whole game. And so and they'll get that at any cost, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I, I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like one of those, um, yeah, necessary evil. And it's like, like you said, it's, it has also democratized uh, talent, right? So we don't have to necessarily be sleeping our way to the top or being born in a certain family to have like, sort of like a success in entertainment, right? So it has sort of like, in a way, opened up that, that side of it um, to, to, more, to more individuals. Like you can actually sort of expose your talent to more people. Um, sure. I want to ask you because obviously it was the song, the I Me Myself song that went viral, right? Modestly viral. Do you remember sort of, before we go into like, you know, the impact of all of that, like, do you remember the moment when you knew it went viral or like, how did you find out that this out, this song sort of had more of a, like something different about it? Um... You know, it's. I I I feel like it kind of happened twice. Um, there was one small little hump, and then a few months later, it exploded. Um, and I I I wish I had like a graph in front of me right now because I I I could tell you with more accuracy exactly what happened and when. I can't say there was ever a moment where I was thinking to myself, oh, God, I'm going viral. Because um, it's not like I was ever on a trending page anywhere or anything. Although, actually, they did put me on, like, a Spotify USA Top 50 for a few days. So I guess that's kind of like being on a trending page. Um, uh, so, um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess... 
I think it was my my social media guy. He hit me up because I don't use social media personally. Um, I have somebody else to manage uh, all that stuff. And um, he hit me up and was basically just saying like, hey, you're going viral on TikTok. Um, brace yourself. You know, that's not verbatim what he said. Um, but, you know, he was super excited and I was mortified. Yeah. Uh, because, you know... <laughs> Obviously, I appreciate any support, and it's good to see people connect with my work on whatever grounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am particularly uh, suspicious of that platform in particular. Um, yeah, and uh, and I I think the first sign that that track had uh, the potential of going viral that I received was when the song first came out, Mm -hmm. it was immediately the subject of some small controversy among my then much smaller fan base. There were a lot of people arguing over what the song meant and how it was supposed to be taken. Um, And some people thought that it was an expression of some kind of transphobia. Other people thought that I was coming out of the closet as trans and, you know, and then I made the stupid mistake of responding to it and I didn't respond to it the perfect way. And it just added fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. And I really do think that that um, uh, sort of incendiary element of the song being abstract and also being about gender, which mm-hmm. is not something you do right now, mm-hmm. um, is be nuanced or abstract about social justice issues and. Um, or, you know, social issues uh, like gender in particular. Mm. Um, It's like, uh, I I can't help but think that that element of the song is ultimately what made it go as viral as it did. I I think not necessarily that people were fighting about it, but that a platform like TikTok that is so cognizant of the content and uh and and the nature of the content that is submitted to it um and is so hyper aware of the identities and the habits of the people who use the platform i think that though that system most likely now this is just a theory Mm -hmm. but most likely identified that the song was likely to make some people angry and Mm -hmm. other people all and it's and it it picked up on that and it went, okay, this is, this might piss people off. This might get people fighting. This might increase engagement. So let's put this on yeah. people's for you pages. Of course, of course. But I think it's interesting that you mentioned about how some people saw it as like transphobic or they're thinking like, oh, you're coming out or whatever it is that they were. Because when I, when I read the, the lyrics, like, um, like today I was reading through them and I was like, that's in, like, I didn't know about that people were necessarily fighting over what the meaning was. But I remember when I read it, I was like, it was two things. One is like one sentence, like the, the one of the first, um, I guess you don't say sentence in the song. What do you call it? Um, a line. Uh, oh, you say line. Danza. I don't know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Depends on how much. Well, it's, so it's the third one where, well, actually the second one too, like since I lost enough weight to fit back into my skin, flower petals and feathers 
tether me to the ground. So the flower petals and the feathers tethering me to the ground. My first thought was like, okay, he understands depression. And then the, the second bit about the, the lyrics was like, it's really interesting because it's really open for interpretation. It's very much about, I feel like, however people interpret it, it's a projection almost. Because sure. it could actually, it, it kind of almost, it, it, it can be really, um, yeah, it can be in so many things. To me, it meant more like, there's certain things that doesn't matter why we like focus so much down onto like the words you know like and not what is the heart and the intention behind things and two it's like um the fight of trying you know you say am i pretty enough to be lied to am i all these things is really interesting i think it's like yeah you're there's a psychology element to it um and then obviously the juxtaposition of the music next to it so the lyrics are quite heavy if you wanted them to be they're quite deep anyway but then the music is like, boop, boop, you know, I can't do, I don't, I don't sing. But you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's an amazing, like, it makes it happy, but it has like depth to it. So there, there is that. And so, yeah, people obviously, they're going to interpret it. And you don't have to say either what it means, because I think it's like anything. Art is to be interpreted, right? Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the, uh, in the subjectivity of art. And in the fact being that, and, and I think this song is like a perfect example and really where I came to understand what was going on uh, in uh, along these lines. Um, oh, how do I put this? Um, uh, if I if I wanted to have a one to one translation between my thoughts and what people heard, I'd write an essay, not a song, you know? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There are things that I would prefer to communicate. There's like, a, 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 a in, in some songs more than others, I want to be more direct or I want to be more transparent or I want to be clearer. Um, but with, you know, with lyrics like in I, Me, Myself, that song is pretty abstract, a lot of its lyrics. And I did that knowing that it, wasn't going to be taken exactly as I meant it when I was writing it. And, um, you know, because I made the mistake of explaining why it wasn't me being transphobic, because I was not going to tolerate that, um, which was silly of me because I can't stop it. If people want to call me transphobic, they're going to. It doesn't matter whether or not there's even any reason to. They're just going to do it. Um, uh, but because I made the mistake of addressing that, People then went on to uh, start telling everybody, oh, this is what Will Wood meant and and this is what he wanted you to take it as. And if you say otherwise or interpret it how you want to interpret it, you're a bad, bad man and you're stealing the music from yeah. the creator. And You see, that's interesting because I find that uh, anyone who that's that's always a I find a contradiction that is really enabling in social media, especially or online in general, because, you know, it's very easy to hide behind a keyboard, um, mm. is that people who say they are speaking to, either speaking on behalf of a group, doesn't matter who it is, right? But they say, speaking on behalf of a group, or they feel like everyone should have a voice. I find a lot of the time when they are so extreme in that, in that sort of mission, they often be, become the people who silence everybody or impose their voice on they're speaking on your behalf which first of all rude but you know what i mean like they're speaking <laughs> for you so it's like it's interesting because for me i did not see that and uh, i may get into hot water here but same thing like with dave Chappelle. i did not i did not i never sort of connected with his comedy until like he had all this like um 
like hate towards him and everyone was like saying how he was being so this and that and this and that and I was like I'm gonna watch this what's going on like I was almost so I had all this pre prejudice in my mind like going in you know going oh this is gonna be awful and I did not hear hate in his comedy uh whatever the situation is and I, I was like I think he was still trying to explain about the human like about human you know and how we are all human and it's like he was especially with what happened with uh, the story he tells at the end and with Daphne and mm. how basically her own community is you know really tortured her at the end you know on social yeah. media and it's like it's I think it's that thing of and you know um that's just my opinion I've never met the guy uh, so I can't say you know for 100% that he's not transphobic not again none of my business and it's not uh, an area that I know um, much about so you know it's very flippant of me probably to say this but I did not hear that and I feel like a lot of the time people don't hear the intention of their heart they listen to the words out of context well I think you know so so firstly people who are watching this are most likely going to be watching it on social media and so uh, I you're I'm I'm I, I'm this is it's a difficult subject to navigate yeah, yeah. because to do so honestly and accurately would require more nuance than Twitter allows. Um, uh, but yes, I do think I, I did end up watching the special out of curiosity when people started uh, attacking him. Uh, and, um, you know, I didn't sense hatred. I, I just sensed uh, he's a dick is basically like that's what i sense is that the guy's a jerk you know i don't think that he's a bigot per se i don't think that he necessarily is trying to say death to transgender people or something like that of course not but like i heard what he had to say and i was like i understand you're joking there's an element of intent to shock um and that you don't necessarily 100 percent mean everything that you say but you recognize that you have the potential to cause people harm or at least a great deal of offense while doing this. And you're accepting that when you choose to make all those claims. And you're also saying some things that are on the ignorant side. And uh, and as he refused to acknowledge, punching down a little bit. And, um, and you know, I, I don't know if I think that the world can be so easily divided into these mm these boxes of hierarchical structures where it's like this is punching up versus this is punching down it's not like there aren't snakes in the grass in any level in our you know social constructs yeah. but um you know because the truth of the matter is that regardless of where you are in a you know in a um in a privileged structure uh it, you can still be a monster even you know, but that, Listen, but he you, wasn't, you can, be, you can be a monster from any, I mean, I guess I, I yeah, I guess it, I didn't really necessarily want to, obviously I started it. I'd obviously it's not a conversation, obviously that I'm necessarily equipped to have. And I understand like, you know, it's the, the restraint, but it's like, I think anyone can be a monster. Like even, you know, um, you, you know, also, for example, just because someone is old, doesn't mean they're not a monster, right? If, like, if someone was a serial killer and then they became you know they got into an accident end up in a wheelchair and they have to be in palliative care it doesn't mean that what they did didn't happen uh in the past they're not all of a sudden a, a helpless old man that's a, a, a kind or nice but so everything has context right but right um mm. well I, I i mean i i think but my point is 
less to say that my point is is to say simply that I don't think it's necessarily uh, necessarily. Now, I don't know truly what I believe. I'm not a sociologist. I don't have any you know, I, I don't really know what I'm talking about ultimately. Mm. Um, but um, I, I, I don't think you can necessarily I could be wrong, but I don't think you could necessarily break things down as simply punching up or punching down, especially since you're not always making fun of people. You can also be making fun of behaviors um, that are not the same thing as an identity necessarily, mm-hmm. although sure. that's getting kind of philosophical. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what are you, what you are or what you do? I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, the point is uh, that all that being said, I do feel like he was kind of picking on the little guy a little bit. And but at the same time, that little guy ended up, yeah, apparently uh, uh, bullying his friend into uh, suicide. But also, I also kind of felt like he was using his quote unquote friend as a prop, that he was using this person as a punching bag for material and then using them as uh, a human shield at the end of the special. Like, I felt like, you know, Ultimately, he's a comedian and he's a clown. Um, And I think that comedians can be very uh, can be very profound thinkers and can be very um, intelligent and comedy can do really powerful things. But I I found his uh, ultimately his criticisms of any element of culture uh, that he was trying to lampoon were empty and not part- and, and not accurate and that it just seemed like really what he what was going on is that he's uncomfortable with people who don't uh, relate to their assigned gender and he just wanted to mock them a bit um, because he thinks that they're mock worthy. And so ultimately my problem with him is not that I think that he's like some monstrous human being but rather that he's just a big jerk who isn't even very funny. It's like, ultimately, it's like, um, Jesus Christ, man, at least make me laugh if you're going to be a huge jerk. But that's my opinion, you know? I mean, I I, I didn't I didn't hear that. I feel like the most of the special was around the issue on race. Um, right. And that was like sort of like the end was sort of... Um, I don't remember this for it was a while as well that I since I've seen it. So, um, so I don't remember how much of the proportion was um around Daphne um but yeah no I I I didn't I didn't I didn't sense that but it's like it's again isn't it it's like it's like I guess sort of to to go back into how what we create and how that's received right so Mm. you obviously you experienced that too where you wrote something and it got interpreted in many different ways right um the same words the same song we all listening to the same thing, but it gets interpreted differently, right? Um, yeah. And so when that happened, I don't know how, you know, if that, how that sort of like maybe like impacted you or how that made you feel. Like, how did that make you feel when people were throwing all these accusations at you um, that you may not have felt that it was relating properly to your intention? Um. Well, you know, I, I, I can't say that I... Um, experience something to the extent that uh dave chappelle experienced um it's still you know it's i i my i think that i should have just ignored it um because 
I ended up giving it more life and I ended up just adding to the clusterfuck of gibberish and rumors that followed by opening my big dumb mouth. Um, because it's, uh, I, um, oh, I just, yeah, people are going to take whatever they take. I, it's not like I was getting death threats or something. I'm sure Dave Chappelle has, has, I mean, I'm, I'm not Dave Chappelle. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not, uh, you know, world famous legendary comedian, Dave Chappelle, you know, uh, I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't well known enough to really be the center of a cancel mob when that first happened. It was really just a, a little bit of rumbling. And if I had then the strength that I have now, I would have ignored it um, because it and, and then just let I mean, maybe it would have uh, gotten bigger and maybe it would have gotten to the point where I had to say something or felt I had to say something. But I'm not a big believer in responding to rabble anyway. Yeah. At this point in my career, I've been soft, mini canceled like 80 times over every single time a massive exaggeration um, or a complete fabrication because that's mm -hmm. how social media works. Um, so uh, at this point, I'm just kind of like, I wish I just hadn't said anything because I made it worse by saying something for sure. But in terms of like creatively, because that's the thing, isn't it? Like you know, as an artist and you are then you creating um, your songs and, you know, how, because that's the, that's a little bit of that, that difficulty, right? Is that in a way it has to go out there, it needs to be listened to for, I mean, it, not necessarily, I mean, maybe not for everyone, but like I think, I think like if it's something that is your, your career, your passion or, you know, how it's, you know, when you create your music, it doesn't stay in a little box in your room. It goes out there, right? And when yeah. you put something out there, like obviously it's open for criticism and interpretation. So <laughs> how have you found, like, how do you sort of manage that? How do you, like, because that's the thing that I think that I find is difficult nowadays with social mm -hmm. media and everything being so um, out there. It's like, it's important to keep our integrity um, and to do things that feels right for us, but then you also have to let it out and let it go and put it out there and whatever people are going to do with it. So how do you, like, do you feel it affected your creativity? Like that think of like, you know, people's opinions and like, how do you manage that? Well, I, um, there, there certainly was, uh, a, uh, an increase in pressure when I went quote unquote viral um, to do things a certain way uh, because as you said uh, I was out there now and then open to criticism and interpretation people all had their own idea as to who I was as a person and as an artist especially since most of their ideas to who I was came from a single song mm. and came from a song that I wrote a very long time ago, mostly, and that I haven't really emotionally connected to very much in a while. I mean, I still, you know, I can have a pretty complicated relationship with a song. And so I still have waves of feeling that song pretty heavy, but, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's like I first started writing it in like 2016, you know? So like, it's not really me at this point, um, but that's what people were familiar with. And I think because that was their introduction to my stuff, they 
went into the rest of my material with some pretty, um, uh, with some pretty strong preconceived notions Mm -hmm. about where I'm coming from and what my perspective would be on any given element of whatever I'm talking about. Um, and so one of the pressures that I started to feel was like generally just kind of a cultural pressure because I started to get the sense that I was being perceived as, and then lumped into an online subculture that I personally don't relate to very much. And at times actually find to be antithetical to a lot of my, uh, moral beliefs. Um, you know, I, uh, that there's, um, that I, I feel like I started to get be, be seen as like this, um, I don't know, like the, like the, the champion of, of wokeness. And that's, I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm as left as they come, but I also don't, I don't uh, approve of how social media discourse deals with most social subjects, um, especially since it's so full of misinformation, disinformation, confusion, and, and outright manipulation. Um, and I think it can also be so clearly the result of uh, AI-generated radicalization. So I don't. I'm. I'm not a member of that subculture. And then and, people, and I think, because, also because context is removed, right? Like you said, yeah. people have an opinion based on one song that interpreted the way they wanted to. Right. And I'm not familiar with the rest of your work, so it's not like you know, like I, you know, it's so I have no preconception. I'm just here to listen to you and hear what yeah. you've got, you know, saying. And um, but it's like, like I think the thing with social media, the problem, or how the discourse is a lot of things are taken out of context right yeah and when you remove context you can twist it and turn it any way you like for making someone sound like a really horrible horrible dictator to to um mother Teresa, not as a politician but you know like a person can sound really horrible or they can sound really lovely depending on the context um yeah mm. and and i think that that song being kind of my flagship single as a result of its virality uh, created a context for the rest of my work for a lot of new listeners that gave people certain expectations that I can't meet, um, not honestly and not with any artistic integrity. Uh, so, for instance, Spotify put me on their queer core playlist, which basically is described as being uh, voices of punk LGBTQ. And, um, and I can't say I identify as LGBT. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I've, I, I kissed some boys in college is about the extent of my bisexuality. And so I don't really identify with it much. And I feel like maybe that slot on that playlist belongs to somebody who has lived the life there, but then I get into identity politics and I don't really want to do that. And, um, But I guess my it's point. It's a minefield out there. It really is. Um, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like, uh, you know, expectations were set, and people then wanted me to be a certain type of person, partially because I think, especially young queer people, are starved for representation and are looking for somebody who they can relate to mm. in the world of the arts and. Um, 
and they want that to be me. They hear that song and they figure, well, that's probably, Will Wood is probably this to me and or could be. And uh, thank God I found someone who I can relate to on this level. And uh, I love this song and I can't wait to hear the rest of his material. And they take a deeper dive into my stuff and you hear me screaming about strapping an autistic baby to a ceiling fan and watching it scream. And it's just like, oh, this guy is actually, uh, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing or something. And then they get mad. Um, when in reality, it's like, no, I'm, I'm just some dude with a, a really weird sense of humor that, you know, was as problematic as anybody else in 2015, 2014. Um, okay, so I need to explain something very briefly. Um, so I'm going to come out of this interview for a little bit. I did not hear that he said autism in with that lyric. So I only heard it afterwards when I was editing this. And so had I heard it properly, I would have actually asked more into it there and then. And so I missed that chance and it happens sometimes. We don't always catch everything, but, um, you know, it is some of his past work. There's a lot of, you know, creative choices that are his for him, only for him to, to explain if he ever wants to, um, obviously I do not believe is those are not things to take literally. Uh, so, you know, uh, not that I know. So yeah, I mean, as you can tell, obviously, um, Will is, you know, there's a lot of depth to Will. There's a lot of insights and he has had quite a few experiences on various things and you will hear him on the second half. It gets really, really interesting. And when he discusses uh, mental health, mental illness and his own journey onto it. So, um, so yeah, so look, do I understand that particular song that that lyric was in? No, I don't. Is it, you know, could I actually have asked him afterwards? Yeah, but I deal with someone in his team. I don't deal with Will directly. So I kind of didn't want to go on a back and forth email. There's a lot of things that can be misunderstood. And I don't want to take away from this interview. I just, I do, what what is sort of brought up for me is that it made this interview even more it added a different angle, a more interesting angle because of how he also sees when we discuss Dave's latest work, Dave Chappelle's work. I say Dave as if I know him. I don't know Dave Chappelle, uh, not personally, uh, but I know of him, right? Like, uh, like so many people. It made it even more interesting given the fact that he actually himself went through the judgment of his work without being necessarily understood or anyone knowing really what's behind the words or the work that whether Will Wood or Dave Chappelle does uh, even though they're very very different people um, their work is different one is stand-up one is music but you will see when we go through uh, the interview I actually do circle back onto Dave um, and how interpretation you know we have almost no control over it interpretation of our work so yes that's what I wanted to say so I hope you stay on, keep on listening. The second half gets really, really interesting because he really comes up with some really interesting insights around mental health, mental illness, society and culture and how that all intertwine together. And um, yeah, extremely insightful. Okay, so let's get back into the episode. You know, and, uh, you know, uh, ultimately I'm for the most part and, and this isn't like the most thorough and nuanced description of me, but compared to how I think a lot of people expected me to be, uh, I'm just like cishet white boy who likes pretentious uh, avant-garde music and, you know, 
Um, and uh, so um, I guess my, 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 it, it created a lot of expectations for me that are hard for me to describe. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, my audience started to become younger as a result of all this because they were coming from TikTok, which very much targets younger people. Um, and, uh, and younger people are more neuroplastic. They're more impressionable. And so they're more easily manipulated by these AIs. Mm. Um, and, uh, they're, and they're predated upon by them. They're taken advantage of pretty severely, I think. And, um, they're like, I don't want to say radicalized because I think that has certain connotations, but they're worked up by these platforms emotionally and, being an adolescent is already an emotional roller coaster. And I have a lot of strong feelings about what, about my fears for young people right now. Um, uh, as a result of spending the last two years in front of screens, spending all of their time on these platforms that I believe are very consciously designed to fuck with your, with the wiring in your brain um, and designed by the greatest scientific minds of our generation to do so. And, uh, having that be their only social interaction for their most formative years, I think is going to be devastating to their mental health for many years to come and is going to have a pretty negative impact on, on, on a lot of young people. And I'm really worried about that. Um, and so I, I, I guess, um, my, my, but but the pressure was coming from uh, people expecting me to be a voice to a group of people that I personally don't feel like I can be a voice to. Mm-hmm. And then also to young people expecting me to be a youth culture icon who could relate to the youth. And it's like, I don't relate to 15 year olds at all. We are very different people. Yeah. And um, and so and then on top of it, there's then parents who expect me to be. Uh, some kind of role model or to be the right kind of appropriate for their children when my uh, my material has, I feel, always transparently not been for kids. And I, on, on top of all that, I, I somebody once told me that they thought that I was good mental illness representation. And I had a conniption at that because in order to be accurate mental illness representation, I cannot be good mental illness representation. Mental illness is bad. The second I start showing symptoms, half of y'all are going to grab your torches and pitchforks and chase me up into a windmill and burn it down. You know, it's like, (laughs) I, um, it's, it's, wait, can uh, we, wait, wait, hang on. What, um, wait, is it, are you sort of like referring to the fact that people are like, they, they feel like, yeah, we're cool with men- mental health and like all of that stuff, but effectively, like when they meet it in reality, it's, it's a bit more scary than, than what they thought they were going to be so cool with. Well, yeah, I think that I, I, I don't believe that the current effort to destigmatize mental illness in our society is particularly effective and i don't think it's always genuine i think that we've done some good and we've made some progress but i think that nobody uh, i I think that our i think that we still hate crazy people in our society and people who are genuinely severely psychiatrically disturbed 
uh, do things and say things that Mm -hmm. polite society Mm -hmm. won't accept and do not like almost by definition, because mental illness is in part social construct. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's identified clusters of behavioral and experiential patterns and habits. I mean, morality is on culture. It's supposed to function socially. Like if we didn't have like good or bad or what's accepted or what's like, you know, quote unquote normal. Um, I mean, I, can I just ask you a question about that? Because I think that's like a really <laughs> interesting thing. I still kind of want to like sit with this. Is mm. that, because, um, you know, you said like, you know, uh, what's accepted, not accepted. and Because I sometimes feel like, what if, you know, the people that we are looking at because they're saying all these things or they're seeing all these things that we like we can't see and they they to us they seem to have lost their mind right i often sometimes ponder that what if you know especially those who have those really like intense thoughts and ideas and about the world and things and and they're being locked up and sometimes i'm like well what if what if they are actually the ones who just have an awareness that we don't have just because they see things differently or see things that we don't see or or think in a way that's different does that necessarily mean that they should they are like what if they are actually the more evolved one or i don't know like it's i'm maybe i'm not using a right example but at the end of the day it's like how do we know what's real what's because okay what's to say if Maybe I'm talking to myself to a ball, which by the way, my neighbor probably thinks because she can't hear you, right? I'm just like, right. So, but I could effectively just be talking to myself to a ball in an institution mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't know. Or worse, maybe I could be like in a coma induced to like some sort of like fake dream state. And then all of this is me living out the dream and I wouldn't know. But, and the thing is, if I actually found out, I would probably lose my mind because the reality of it would be so big, I'd get like a heart attack on the spot. You can say I watch too much sci-fi. But anyway, so it's like, you know what I mean? Like, how do we know what's real just because we are not aware of it? Like, how do we know that these people, like to me, I find also like the young people, younger generation who are like so much more fluid and, and open. I always feel like, I feel like they're more evolved than me. I'm gonna be that embarrassing and in like about a minute because I don't really connect or understand everything. I just think it's beautiful. I'm not gonna use the right words because I've, I've, I don't understand all of it. But I think mm-hmm. like if you're happy, if it makes you feel more free, I've, I wish I could have been more free with my sexuality when I was younger and I didn't because you know, it wasn't a thing to do. So it's like, you know, I feel like what we seem, what we think is normal or real, like who are we to say that it is? Well, I, I, I think that there's an element of that. And I think to a certain extent, that's kind of what, I, what I'm getting at is that, um, you know, uh, mental illness in many cases is defined by the level of aberrance from the norm how different from the majority and like, you know, yeah. What makes a, what makes somebody, uh, borderline, Mm -hmm. um, they're different. They have, and they're different in these ways and they're only different in a way that impedes their function. But it were, were we to live in a society where everybody emotionally had all the traits that were in, you know, the diagnostic criteria for borderline personality disorder, there'd be no such thing, right? So um, what, what, I, what I'm saying, I guess, is that um, 
there's um uh like you know and 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 if you look you know uh bringing up uh sexuality as as well it wasn't up until pretty recently uh um it wasn't an, until pretty recently that homosexuality wasn't considered a mental illness by the medical community. Oh, it used to be and, absolutely illegal. They put like yeah. they'd, they'd lock you up if you didn't take your meds. I mean, it was insane, right. insane. Right, and yeah, yeah. and so mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, a, an immense amount of subjectivity in mental illness, mm. and um, and because of that. And because of how much it's defined by what is simply normal mm. and what is socially acceptable by extension of that, um, you kind of have to concede that the people who behave in ways that are socially unacceptable in a habitual way are, by definition of the system of thought that we approach psychiatry and psychology with, uh, unhealthy, sick, mm. ill, and that you kind of have to acknowledge that people who suffer from mental illnesses are are significantly more likely to do and say things that normal people, quote unquote, aren't going to like. Mm. And so you can't have good mental illness representation because I mean, you want to see good mental illness representation? Kanye West. The guy has clearly severe bipolar disorder or something like it, and people fucking hate him for it. They do. They hate him for having bipolar disorder. They don't think they do, but they do. Yeah, they mock it or utilize it. I mean, I I don't follow... Like, I, I just have seen some clips and I've, you know, I see... But I haven't followed the Kanye West story. I just know that. I mean, he's, I think, musical. Like, his music is, you know, he's he's clearly like a, a genius when it comes to yeah. music and, and, and writing. Um, but I, I feel like it's, it's so, such an easy target to mock and it pisses me off. Like, I just don't like, um, and I love comedy. I love stand-up. As well. I mentioned, like, you know, Dave Chappelle. It takes a lot for me to be offended or and I understand like humor I may not find something funny doesn't mean that it's not funny right so like things like that like I've got quite uh but I don't like I feel like people are targeting him and he's clearly needing help and I think maybe there's people around him that are earning money and they are on the payroll and they don't want to they they may be I don't know if maybe if they say something to him to to protect him he may get offended because you know obviously I mean you know I I I know someone who's got, and I don't know exactly what he's got, uh, Kanye, but obviously you said bipolar. That's what I've heard. Yeah. But like, for example, I know you mentioned about borderline before. Um, so borderline personality disorder, when it's, when it gets really bad, it's really hard to be around. It's really, yeah. really hard to be around. Very. So in that sense, like, you know, um, it is because it's, it, you know, depending on the person, but like there's one person that I know and she, She's extremely manipulative and very mean, and all of a sudden she's very nice. It's um, and it's different from dissociative identity disorder. It's completely different ballgame, right? But like that, her case is like that. And I'm not saying every case is like that, but it's just like sure. it is true. That's why you know, I, I, in terms of like making it sound pretty and we all being so accepting and tolerant, I can tell you for a fact that I mean I've struggled with mental health myself, and and it's like but I do also know that I also have my limitations as to how much I can handle. 
Right. When things get really bad, you know, uh, and I understand why people haven't always stayed around <laughs> when I'm not good. Yeah, you know? I get you. It's yeah, like, same. It's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's um, people should not be your emotional punch bag. Right. And so on, until you get the help, like it's a difficult thing. But yeah, the Kenya thing is it's yeah, I, I feel I feel sorry for for him being targeted like that. I, I yeah. Say. And I think it goes back to like ultimately the movement to destigmatize mental illness. Uh, I think it, as a result of that, doesn't concern itself with severe psychiatric illness. It concerns itself with relatable ones like anxiety and depression, which is good. It's good to be talking about those things. But I also think that there are some very there that there are some powerful people out there who are making a lot of money and are very happy with the fact that almost nobody, um, or rather, uh, who are very happy with the fact that people now feel like it makes more sense to get a diagnosis and start taking drugs than to actually address a real problem that is very valid and not a result of an illness, but a result of a broken society. And I also think that a lot of the current uh, destigmatization movement, uh, and there is some evidence to back this up, that um, I do think it was kind of, I think a lot of it is being pushed by the pharmaceutical industry. And don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-psychiatry. I'm diagnosed as bipolar. I don't know if I necessarily like see the world along those lines, but that's my diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I take my medication every day. And so I... You know, I'm not saying that this is like all some evil conspiracy. Rather, I'm saying that it feels to me like because of discourse around mental illness being what it is right now, we only either want to talk about the relatable illnesses or we want to cosplay the quirky ones um, and malinger for points on the Internet. Um, Because of that, people don't feel like they can be heard for their just feelings And so it's almost like at this point you're drowned out and you need to have like a doctor's note to have your feelings validated. Mm -hmm. And because of that, now everybody has a mental illness, which Mm -hmm. makes it so that people who are genuinely suffering are ignored. Yeah, I feel like it's almost like it's it's interesting because like I feel like it's almost like become this cool factor to say you've got anxiety or this or you're on this med and this that. And I'm like, like I'm. I'm happy that now there's less of a a taboo to talk about that, yeah, you know, you've had a nervous breakdown or you've got OCD or whatever it is, right? So, but I think that at the same time, like you, from what I'm understanding from what you're saying is like, I feel that that we've sort of, n- n- the conversation has become in a way that is normalizing, medicating normal stress. Like, you yeah. know, when you see teenagers or young people being stressed out because they have exams and they're being medicated to calm it down i'm like hold on a second like there's nothing wrong with feeling those feelings that are deemed like well on the negative side like you're supposed to be a bit stressed out before an exam and guess what that's how you learn to become a bit more uh immune to and understanding how to cope with things it's more like you know i mean there's healthy I mean, I don't even know if that's the right word for it, but, you know, it's okay to feel angry, sad, stressed, anxious. It's when it becomes debilitating and, and controlling your life that, right. yeah, that, that you're like, maybe I need I, I need something to, to I, help me here. But I also think that the normal range of human emotion 
And when I say normal, I just mean that doesn't come from a malfunction in your neurology. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, I can be debilitating and can take over your life. Grief can do that. Yeah. Oh gosh. Anger can do that. Resentment can do that. Sadness can do that. These are just feelings. Jealousy will make people kill. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you know, uh, and and and. It's and pain isn't supposed to be tolerable. It's why we evolved to feel pain is so that we could get away from the dangerous stimulus. It's just biology. And so it's especially scary to see that happening with kids, that kids have now bought into this and believe that it's this incredibly important social justice thing that the second that they start feeling a a very difficult emotion, that it must mean that they're sick and they need to be drugged. That's really scary because, like, oh, no, yeah. life is very difficult. It's supposed to be. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't work on having conversations about this stuff. We need to be destigmatizing pain. We need to be destigmatizing human emotion, the human experience. There's a stigma around sharing feelings. Um, and it seems like we're actually addressing that through coded psychiatric language and calling that destigmatizing mental illness while mental illness is actually over here being like, yeah, no, we'll just stay in the loony bin and, and, you know, kill ourselves. You know, it's like, um, it's, it's, it's like really scary. Cause then we're giving these incredibly poorly understood medications to growing brains and we don't know what the fuck that's going to do to them. We don't know. Yeah. They're, these drugs aren't new enough. That's the case with the medication I take, and I'm an adult, and I'm still scared of that. Right. I don't know right. what long-term ramifications mm-hmm. this is going to have. Mm-hmm. In terms of, uh, you know, my uh, my illness, whatever it is, if, if it can truly be called an illness or if there's some other word that would be more accurate, whatever, mm-hmm. um, whatever is happening in my case, I started medication not just for my own sake but for the sake of people around me. Um, it was very clear that there was something pathologically wrong. And so, you know, it, it became a matter of other people's well-being, And I found that to be more important than even my own. Um, and so it's, it's like, I don't know. I, I just feel like, um, you know, if somebody tells me they have a mental illness, I'm not going to ever look them in the eye and be like, no, you don't or doubt them, you know, because what do I know? Yeah, right, but right. I do think systemically it's a problem. Um, and so um, I, I keep remembering that all of these tangents we've gone off on, on all these conversations we've been having over the past like 25 minutes to a half an hour uh, res- uh originated with a question that you asked me that I don't think I ever finished answering. Um, yeah, how do you not let the, that, the outside stop you? Because I think it's like, yeah, how, because a lot of people, you know, we fear, I mean, I fear. Sometimes I am scared to publish like some episodes. Sometimes I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? Like I fear and I'm, nobody knows me and I'm kind of like, I'm enjoying that. I mean, I said nobody knows me. I, I do have like, you know, I do have a audience. People listen, but I mean, like, I'm not like no one's gonna recognize me on the street. I'm like very much incognito. I sometimes do my grocery shopping in my pajamas. I, I like, I don't, I like that anonymity. Like, I don't need, you know. Um, but I even I sometimes I worry. I do worry mm. because of how people, um, will interpret stuff. And often, actually, I don't always 
it, it that yeah so i guess like my question really is like how do you not let that the fact of the outside world that can be so powerful on the internet and whatnot is how do you let like how do you navigate that being a creative like and 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 just do your thing or maybe you're not i don't know i'm just assuming here right but like how do you not let that affect you when you create your art um ultimately one thing that i do is i left social media so uh, for the most part i don't know what people are talking about at any given moment i know some stuff and i have seen things and occasionally people will share things with me or bring up stuff with me or whatever um but i don't have a twitter uh somebody else uses my instagram um there's still a Facebook page, but it hasn't been touched except for somebody posting a picture of a urinal on it like two months ago in like two years. Um, you know, like it's, um, uh, I, it's just, I don't, I don't do that. And by not doing that, I don't hear too much of it. The stuff that I do hear, I think I'm kind of like a natural born contrarian. I kind of have been from the day I was born. I don't know why, but so to a certain extent, I think part of me has this instinct to go like, Oh, that's what you think. Well, you know what? Fuck you. Here's what I think in response. And, uh, here's how wrong you are. Um, you know, and so it, it, sometimes it, I, I have to like hold my tongue. Um, and sometimes I fail to do so. Like occasionally I'll go on, on, on YouTube and I'll post like a, essentially a Twitter, uh, a tweet via YouTube basically because I'm just so upset about something. Um, so, you know, I still fall victim to it now and again, but, mm -hmm. um, I, um, uh, sometimes I guess my main method is either ignoring it, separating myself from it. So I don't even know about it or fighting back and saying, no, you don't get to control what I have, what I, what I do. And, uh, and I am committed to that and I will die on that hill because the truth of the matter is that I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to starve anytime soon. Uh, and so if you guys decide to stop listening to my stuff, cause you get a feeling that I am not the person you demand I be, well, I wasn't that person. Mm -hmm. And so see ya, you know, it's like, um, I don't. Uh, like, it's like, uh, I just want to connect with the people who I connect to. Mm. Don't get me wrong. Any amount of connection I get with anybody is always great. But, you know, I'm trying to have an authentic, as authentic of a connection as I can have with uh, my audience. Mm -hmm. And that requires saying some things sometimes that mm -hmm. some people aren't going to like. Yeah. And because nobody's soul, nobody is built for a million people. They're just not. You can't no, be yeah. liked by a million people. It's not yeah. possible. Not and be yourself. There's a reason why celebrities always seem so alien and vapid. It's because they're constantly trying to be uh, accepted. Liked. Yeah. It's right. The profession is based on being liked. It's like the influences, you know, I don't envy them. I think it's like your livelihood depends on being liked. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I feel like I feel like we all, to a certain extent, we do enough people pleasing in our life or try not to upset people around us. So, you know, um, 
I, I feel like that that would add such an extra layer. It's very difficult because how do you you it must it must be so stressful. I would be anxious all the time if my livelihood depended on being like and to a certain extent mm. all of us do like you know I do have a day job it's true like if 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 I'm so unlikable they're not going to want to work with me they'll fire me right so it's like you know to a certain extent we have to kind of be like but if that's if if you have to be like like through and through you have to say the right thing all the time be on the right side of everything Fuck. yeah like that's like that's a lot yeah, and and not only can you not be liked by everyone, you can't be accepted by everyone. You can't be accepted. And I don't think anybody's true, honest life is acceptable to a million people. It's just I I don't I don't think that that's the case. I think that there's a reason why we all have private and personal lives. It's because human beings are not built to be consumed by a million people at a time. And so I, um, and so I don't. And I don't have any interest in in fame. I don't uh, covet celebrity status, and I uh, and I'm not that financially motivated. And so, what I want to do is focus on making honest and authentic art to the best of my ability. Um, and so, you know, uh, uh, that's ultimately what I try to do. Is yeah, ignore it or fight back, mm-hmm. but. Um, but also, you know, um, uh, I, I do plan on taking an indefinite uh, break from all of it after I uh, put out my next record, do a little tour for it, and then I'm out of here for a while. Mm. Um, because the stress is more than I want. It's not worth it. Uh, there are some things money can't buy. And the attention is not necessarily, it's not a positive thing. It's, uh, it's an intense neutral um, and intense neutral is high highs and low lows. Um, and really what I need is just a, a quiet life where what that where I'm sharing it with people close to me instead of a bunch of strangers who all have different ideas as to who I should be. Um, but, you know, yeah, the, uh, it, it can be anxiety inducing, as you mentioned. Um, you know, you were saying that, like, sometimes you're uh, afraid to post an episode this track I've got coming up on the 10th that I was talking about, um, uh, you liked this. Um, there's definitely part of me that's like a little bit nervous about it because, um, because it's so, um, because it's so aggressively critical of social media and there is, Social media can take it. <laughs> well, I don't know if they can, you know, um, because people who are chronically online are emotionally destabilized by it. And uh, they don't know it. They think that everything around them is is uh, uh, as bad as their platform wants them to think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they uh, have had their ability to think critically uh, beaten into submission by these algorithms that feed them content based on what has been determined via surveillance will make them destabilized and devoid of nuance. Um, and so I think that like, you know, I think that there are going to be some people who uh, rush to the defense of their precious uh, billionaires um, and they won't know that that's what they're doing. I think a lot of them, they're going to be coming from the left and saying, hey, you know, actually, 
these these pro these apps the social media has done a lot of good and i'm like okay cool but also it's done a lot of bad that's what i'm talking about right now and uh really i promise you mark zuckerberg doesn't need your help he's he's not going to give you money it's it's okay you can criticize it too i guess like to be that's what i meant with like social media can take it i wasn't even thinking about the users i was thinking more like the platforms oh. like you know the facebook the twitter of that they, they give zero fucks like nothing is oh, like, yeah. we've been trying to take facebook down i mean zuckerberg went to that whether it was that trial thing i mean it was just it was a whole everything it was a circus um, mm. the fact that, you know, it's still out there is beyond, but it's like, you know, money, it really is a capitalistic world. Like money rules the world. I mean, just the fact that what's his name? Murdoch who, you know, owned like is the media mogul. Um, I don't even know if he's still alive, but how that guy never went into prison after <laughs> so much stuff he did, like so bad, like so many wrong things. Um, it, it, it's beyond, but that's again, like, you know, when you have more money than God, yeah, untouchable apparently so um, yeah 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 they can they can take it but it's yeah um, the companies the companies will be fine i was yeah i was more concerned about the 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 users it's the users who i have some anxiety about mm -hmm. um because i think some of them are going to rush to the defense of uh billionaires, yeah. of those billionaires they're going to think that what they're doing is rushing to the defense of their uh of their ideology and their friends and family and it's like i get what you're saying but this is not you know, mm -hmm. uh, or rather not their friends and family, but their online friends. Right, um, right. and it's like, I'm not criticizing you and I'm not criticizing. I mean, I guess sometimes I am, but, um, I you guess know, you, you, I mean, I obviously the song hasn't come out and I haven't, I haven't listened to it. I haven't been privy to it, but I can imagine like, you know, it's like in a way, you know, um, when we are criticizing a platform, I mean, I am on Instagram, I am on Facebook and I also have to check myself into like, you know, why am I on these platforms that actually, you know, how am I using it? Like I also mm. have to also be accountable for my choice of being on there, yeah. despite me having that love yeah. relationship, right? Um, and so, yeah, so effectively, yeah, for example, you know, yeah, I can see how, I see now what you're saying, like maybe that like users may get a bit, but in a way, you know, that comes down to like, I guess like, like for example, things like, um, which triggers, I know you mentioned something with things like, you know, uncomfortable feelings and, 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 and how to sort of like, I guess, like, you know, learning how to, to, to manage it. But it's like things, especially with social media, you know, it's like a trigger fest uh, for a lot of people and people are not using, they, they see something, they interpret it, they jump to a conclusion, which is part of, you know, human, how we function, right? human brains. But they get triggered and then they lash out instead of going, wow, I'm triggered. So like, you know, back to your song, like obviously if some social media users are going to be triggered, you know, maybe you say, let's say you say like Inst people on Instagram or, or idiots or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what you say, but let's say, is that what you're saying? What? I'm going to go, oh my God, what do you say? I'm an idiot. Wow. Like it just didn't get triggered. But instead of actually lashing back out, it's going, actually, why am I feeling upset? Because if I didn't on some level feel it was true, I wouldn't be affected by what you're saying to me. Like I've had people say things to me like, you know, in life and, and I'm like, and they get really upset because I'm not reacting. But it's because I'm sat there and I'm like, you don't know me. And that word you use has no effect on me because I know it's not true for me. Unless you want to explain to me what is true for you, I, I'm not engaging. Like, why am I, do you see what I mean? Like triggers <clears throat> are also a good thing to sometimes understand why, why are we Yeah, I, I yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, I, um, 
I mean, like, I'll, I'll tell you, at no point in the track do I uh, <laughs> uh, do I say people on Instagram are idiots. Um, what I'll say is Instagram. What I, what I'll say on the what I say on the track is closer to Instagram is trying to turn you into an idiot. Oh yeah, um, I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that it's effective sometimes, and so mm-hmm. some of you might might be. Um, uh, but. Um, you know, the uh, I think I think another thing that causes me some anxiety with the track is the fact that um, because I'm criticizing the platform and not the users, uh, I use examples from all over ideological spectrums as uh, I, 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 I use ideas from all over the ideological spectrum um, and all different areas of it as examples of uh, manipulation by these algorithms. Mm -hmm. And so the, I think that some of the language in it comes across as kind of aggressively apolitical. And I think some people are going to take that as like uh, a right wing dog whistle, uh, because I, um, because I, a lyric in it, uh, it's not a lyric because it's spoken word, but a, a joke. Cause it's, it's, it really is. It's, it's just a very dark joke. Uh, the track, um, is, uh, is, um, uh, click here to sign, sign this petition to remove content warnings from civil war statues. And it's incomprehensible as to what I'm saying there. And that's on purpose. But I think a lot of people are going to just hear civil war statues and be like, what are you saying right now? And they're going to hear content warnings and they're going to be like, what are you saying right now? Um, and that they're going to hear that I have a little clip of Jordan Peterson yelling postmodernism somewhere in there and think that that's uh, an endorsement of his views uh, because people are like hypervigilant for it, partially because they are constantly having it beaten into their head that they need to be by their platform. Um, and uh, when in reality, the point is not is, is to say uh, it doesn't really like um, like the point is to mock the platform, not you the see, but, users. But that's interesting. You you actually you're like that thinking like oh you know people are going to take things out of context. It's very similar to stand up. It's very similar to mm. what we were saying earlier. Not just to dive back into it, but like for example, Dave Chappelle, how our interpretations was different, and like interpret there's like so many different interpretations, right? So same with the music, right? So how that position of of like you write something, you know, in your heart, what your intention is, you know, what you're trying to do. Um, and it's like, it is like that point of like, you create, it's what you need to be doing. And then it's almost like letting it go because there is no way any of us can control anything that we say or do is received. I mean, I've had sometimes people, you know, write to me like about an episode. I'm like, I, I, one, I don't remember saying that. Like a lot of stuff, I like, kind of like forget. But sure. it also, I'm like, that was so not <laughs> what I meant. But that right. because I'm not, I'm not necessarily eloquent. Hence, why I get guests on, I interview people because you guys are way more eloquent than I am. So it helps, like you know, um, with the messaging. But it's like you cannot control how things are being received, and that's like with everything in life as well, you know. Yeah. Um, something that's offensive to someone or they take it personally is not for someone else. They're like, oh yeah, no, that was just a general term or, you know? Yeah. I, um, all, all, all that I can do, all that anyone can do is just try to, to speak truthfully. Um, and as, and accurately, 
Um, and, uh, or maybe not even necessarily a- accurately, but truthfully, authentically, you know, I, um, uh, certainly what going viral quote unquote taught me was to consider different modes of self-expression, to consider different types of, uh, lyrics, um, because, while no, you can't control ultimately how you're perceived, mm-hmm. you can still make an effort to send a more specific message. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely have been much more conscious uh, on my upcoming album, which, uh, quick plug in case I make it, it's coming out on streaming platforms everywhere, July 29th. What's the name? What, what's the what's behind that name, by the way, in case you make it? Like, what are you trying to say? Um. So originally, so, 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 the songs on the album are very much inspired by uh, personal changes that mm-hmm. I've undergone and worked through over the past couple of years um, and that are reflected in my writing quite a bit. And when I first went viral, I um, I found myself, like I was saying earlier, uh, being expected to be or seen as this person who either I'm not at all or was mostly the result of a character I played on stage a few times in a manic episode six years ago that I don't want to associate myself with because it's painful. And so it's, um, so I wanted to like, while that was happening and I guess it was probably related, um, or while it was happening, I guess this was before I really started to go viral, but that certainly exacerbated it. This is, I guess, when the normal album, my last album, came out. That's what I started to see happening because I started to get some popularity. And my mental health was not well. It was the height of the pandemic. Um, I was not uh, doing well on my own for my own reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just super, super unstable. I reached some psychiatric lows. Uh, I like had like, I guess what could be described as like almost like a mild psychotic episode. I, I, I don't really know how to put it, but I had never been to that place before. Um, I mean, I guess there was like a point in like 2011 or 2012 or something where I thought that I was like maybe Jesus for a couple of weeks before coming back down from that. But like, ultimately, like I had never been this like I, I I kind of had like a mild nervous breakdown essentially, mm-hmm. and uh, to be totally transparent, I was contemplating suicide, mm-hmm. um, and uh, very seriously for the first time, I was like drafting up a note and everything, and I started thinking to myself, you know what, if um, if if in the event that I die. Uh, if I do take my own life or if I, uh, relapse and start drinking again and that kills me or something like that, um, I would like to have said these things about these changes that I've been going through and express this person who I have become since I was anything even resembling the person I'm perceived to be. Um, you know, that old character I used to play, that older version of myself as I was still like you know, before getting treatment and all that, um, you know, I, I wanted to express the person I had become and express my journey and express something really transparent and authentic and personal. And so 
I wanted to put together an album and call it In Case I Die. Uh, and the idea was, In Case I Die, this is what it was all about. This is this is the last thing I want to say. Yeah. And, um, uh, and then I started feeling better, uh, and I didn't die. And so I changed it to In Case I Make It because I thought, one, it was the inverse of In Case I Die, and two, I also get like a little bit of a of a reference to making it in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and since then I've, I've, I've thought to myself, I wish I had called it in case I die. Uh, cause I like that name better, mm-hmm. but I already made the t-shirts. So it's too <laughs> late now. <laughs> the merch is out. So what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think um, that's, but but that's that's nice though. I think yeah, that I mean, I feel like um, I feel like a, a I mean, I, I they, that used to be one of my fears actually to not to be, I, one of it is to be misunderstood and people not understanding. I have that my heart has good intentions. That sometimes mm. maybe like the ways maybe um, my expression of what I say or my behaving things. Like, that's my thing is, like, I want people to know. That used to be, like, a thing I used to think about a lot was that. So, you know, um, it makes sense that if you, when you are in that state where, you, where you're not sure if you're going to make it another day, then you sort of want to make, well, this is actually what I meant, and this is what that yeah. meant and what that is. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what these songs are is, you know, um, you know, and and also maybe uh, making it could refer to making it through, um, or just making it as in like not dying. And uh, that's why I heard. That's why I got is like in case I make it, like in case I make it alive, like I'm still here. Right. Yeah. I make it out alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and that is uh, yeah. That's that that is what I I was referring to. But I guess you know I'm not planning on killing myself uh, after I put out this album, but I am planning on uh, you know going on an indefinite hiatus Mm -hmm. and so there i still get a little bit of that in there um you know so a little bit of a hey before i go you know um yeah i uh i'm definitely trying to get a lot of stuff off my chest with this record um and it's not as uh it's, it's it's not as bloated with attempts to be impressive and clever and funky and wacky uh but rather the focus is primarily on um, uh, creating something that's, uh, you know, very honest and uh, very personal and transparent so that I can kind of cultivate that more authentic connection with the audiences that I haven't been able to reach yet or a deeper connection with uh at least part of, and hopefully a large part of the audience that I have now. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, uh, um, yeah, to a certain extent, I guess the record is me kind of going like, Hey, before I go, is there anybody else out here who feels like this? Cause if so, Hey man, I'm here too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. so, um, yeah. 
I, like when you're just talking here like about that like if i can feel like i like it's i feel like the realness of it like it's very honest like yeah like i like it re- like there was a resonance there i could feel that um yeah it's like um i think it's great i think it's uh, it's important um like i, I want to ask you sort of before i ask the like the, ask the same two questions to all my guests at the end so i can mm-hmm. call them the finishing thoughts um but before i go there like i want to ask you is there anything that you feel that maybe you didn't get the chance to express or you want to say before we sort of go there and and explain also you know before we we plug all your stuff and how people can find your albums and listen to you and stuff like that like is there anything that you feel like you didn't get a chance to say i may have interrupted you and things like that um I could just I could just plug stuff again, you know. I will definitely, um, definitely go. We'll definitely go into yeah. that. Not not going without plugging your stuff. Um, but it's um, like in terms of like anything that we've sort of talked about, or anything you wish you'd could have said. Um. Uh, I didn't sleep so well last night, <laughs> and I was asleep until like about twenty five minutes before. Uh, <laughs> doing this so if i um (laughs) (laughs) so if i uh if i failed to communicate uh a more complicated uh subject matter in a matter in a way that was accurate effective or uh palatable um uh Sorry. <laughs> no, no, um, I think no, no, no. You definitely don't. Don't put yourself. In case there, I did nuance feel, wrong. No, no. You, you're very, very intelligible, very clever, very uh, eloquent. Don't you worry. Like that was, um, <laughs> it was all good. <laughs> yeah, cool. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed that you, that you, um, that you had been up, up for for a while. So I am. Um, so well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you the two finishing thoughts. And the first one is, what do you wish you'd realized? at 18 but by that i mean like on the cellular level not cognitively like how what do you feel like you really knew that you wish you really understood at 18 um hmm what do i wish i really knew um that a career in art was not going to make me happy. Wow. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying that to say my career in the arts makes me miserable, Mm -hmm. although it does sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But rather to say that I'm not going to find fulfillment, connection, or... um, deeper or lasting happiness in an audience right 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 yes 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 yeah and that's a very important distinction to make for sure oh yeah yeah that was actually deep um yeah (laughs) it's so true (laughs) you only need like you know we only have i think i believe you look if you have like five people including family that are like the real people that you connect with and if you're even lucky enough to actually be able to see them in person on a regular basis you know because now we're so global but i mean that is like that's true that's being rich you know what i mean like that's yeah. wealth you know i agree that, that and your health 
personally. I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I always feel really happy when my mental health is on, when I'm feeling, I still, obviously I have bad days like everyone, but when I'm not down in like, down the rabbit hole, again, experiences I'm glad I've had, but it's not something that I necessarily feel like I miss. I need to feel that edge of my sanity. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I need right. to be tapping on that side, you know, every day. So, um, so yeah, so being, feeling peace for me is like, oof. It's amazing. So, okay, the second question, sorry, is what stuff do you not put up with anymore? Um, hmm. Like in general or in, in my career? In general. Um, what do I not put up with anymore? Um, geez. I don't know. I might be a bit of a doormat. Um, I put up with too much. Um, People pleasing. A little bit. I think I'm a little bit of a, or I don't know though. Um, uh, I think that the things that I don't put up with anymore, first and foremost, are things inside myself and my own shit. And so there's some of my own shit that I don't put up with anymore that I do not tolerate allowing myself. Um, and so, and that's all in here. So that's all I can really say about it. But like, um, uh, as for like other people's behavior, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I try not to. I, I try to I try not to tolerate being uh, manipulated, taken advantage of, abused or convinced that I deserve or invited mistreatment mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that I don't put up with anymore. No. Um, so, yeah, maybe that maybe that's the way to put it. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, tell them to F off. Um <laughs> Sometimes you got to say it. So, uh, well, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. Thank you for being so like, willing to go there with me as well. Like, you know, I know we tackled sure. some like, you know, um, some, you know, uh, I know I'm going to be some things. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I've said that. I'm going to go. You know, it is what it is. Um, but so thank you so much to go there with me and play with me. Um, and so I want to ask you, like, please tell us like all the good stuff. Like, how, how can people find you? Uh, like listen find your music you know find out where you go on tour like how do we even though you're not on social media you know um a lot of times i just have like the instinct to just be like yeah google me and Don't. um <laughs> and uh i said that once to um uh so i was i was like doing this thing with like um some organization in my hometown mm -hmm. just as like a favor to my mom and one of her friends after i i played a little thing was like that was great where can i find your music and i knew that they weren't actually interested and so i wasn't gonna give them some spiel about my websites and stuff so i was like don't condescend to me i know you don't care and I don't care whether or not you care either. I, I, it's fine. You don't have to pretend you're interested. So just Google it or whatever. Yeah, but I, yeah. it came across like, eh, yeah, you can Google me, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. And and afterward, my mom was like, I'm just letting you know, 
you came across as extraordinarily pretentious. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, I did, didn't I? Fuck. In, in my mind, it that was me letting this person go. It's Off like, I, I, it's okay, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but instead it came across as uh, braggadocious. But um, uh, yeah, um, my website is willwood.net. I wasn't able to get .com, um, but willwood.net, if you go on there, it's got all like my my merch store, uh, my Spotify, um, and uh, upcoming tour dates, which haven't been announced yet. But I'm going to be going on uh, a couple of short runs in I think August through September before I take my hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be following the release of my album on uh, July 29th. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Will. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. And that's our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to rate, review, share it, subscribe it on iTunes, follow it on Spotify or whichever platform you listen from. However you show love is how you can support this show. Drop me your questions or suggestions for future episodes via the website at angie-s.com or come and find me on Instagram at tool for this shit podcast. See you next week. And until then, using health inappropriately.